Hello everyone, my name is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us. It is Tuesday, August the 22nd, and uh, we uh, hope you had a chance to check out our episode 7 yesterday of Dr. Hickson Answers Your Questions, uh, another great uh, a group of questions that came in by email, and hopefully you uh, found the answers to be encouraging and uh, in informative as well. Love those sessions. Uh, tonight, we've got Prophecy Night at uh, Plum Creek Chapel. If you're in the Denver metro area, you can join us at 6 o'clock Mountain Time uh, locally uh, for that, or we also live stream it. So you can go to notbyworks.org, notbyworks.org, and click on the live stream button uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. Looking forward to our continued discussion of the rapture versus the second coming. As we look at the rest of the week, we've got uh, World Events Update tomorrow with Randy. And then uh, Friday, I've got uh, Nathan Jones back for part three of our fantastic discussion of the mighty angels of Revelation. He's going to bring it home, the final few chapters of Revelation, talk about the angels uh, that will be playing a role in the final phase of God's end times program. So really love those discussions. They've been a big uh, hit with our listeners. That's on uh, Friday. But I covet your prayers as uh, Wendy and I head out this week for the conference this weekend. The uh, Tom Hughes uh, conference is uh, Hope for Our Times. Uh, such an honor to be a part of that uh, group. It's a Friday-Saturday event. I'll be speaking on Saturday. Uh, some of the other speakers include my, uh, my friend Andy Woods, Alex Newman, Olivia Melnick, Tom Hughes, of course, John Haller, Bill Federer. Uh, what a lineup. Uh, just going to be a great conference. Uh, I think the conference itself there in Rockwall, Texas is sold out. However, live stream tickets are still available. And it's only 15 bucks, and you can live stream the whole event or, or I should say, and or uh, you have access to all of the videos from each speaker uh, for the next 30 days. So even if you can't join in us, join us live on Friday and Saturday, if you buy the live stream ticket, you can go ahead and watch them at your leisure. So pray for us as we head down there. Looking forward to, uh, to my message uh, and uh, what the Lord's put on my heart to, uh, to share with those uh, folks. Um, and, uh, but today we've got a special uh, podcast for you. You know, last month uh, in July of 2023, I had the privilege of joining Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on her program, Happy Hour with Dr. T. We did a series of four interviews, about one hour each, on the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, these videos are available at her website, drtenpenny.com drtenpenny.com, uh, where you can sign up to become an insider and have access to not only these four videos, but lots of other fantastic interviews that she's done and teaching videos that she has done with different uh, guests. So I encourage you to visit drtenpenny.com and uh, become an insider there. Uh, she's got just some outstanding resources and, and information, so I appreciate uh, her heart and all she's done. I've been following her for 20 years. It's amazing. Um, but uh, this uh, podcast you're about to hear is the audio only of part three of that four-part interview series that we did with her, the four-part video series. We aired the audio versions of part one and part two last week. You can check that out on our podcast channel, uh, or you can just go to notbyworks.org and click on the podcast tab. Um, but uh, again, if you want to watch the videos, which show uh, our all of the slides that I used, some of the other visuals, and you can see Dr. Tenpenny and myself talking with each other, uh, then you need to go to drtenpenny.com and check it out uh, there. Uh, but I think the audio will give you some idea of uh, what we talked about and hopefully be encouraging to you. So thanks for listening and uh, stand by. This is part three of our interview with Dr. Uh, Dr. Tenpenny. God bless everyone. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and I want to extend a warm welcome to everyone who is joining us here at Happy Hour with Dr. T. Each week, we get together with amazing guests on Tuesday nights and have conversations that I know will inspire you and help you grow. You've been able to find those interviews by going to uh, becoming a podcast member in the past and go to drtenpenny.com under the podcast tab. There are four different levels of membership. We believe that we've created something for everyone's time and budget. Now, tonight is part three of this important series that we are doing as a special event 
with Happy Hour with Dr. T. You know, for the last several months, we've been done series of special events with Pastor Doug Van Dorn, Pastor Mike Spaulding, authors Doug Woodward, Eric Gilbert, and L.A. Marzulli, which are now available at drtenpenny.com. And importantly, they are for $79. That's four hours of information for $79. And 100% of the sales proceeds for these amazing courses go back to the authors as a thank you for the time they spent preparing for doing the course and then the generosity of their time for recording that and giving us information that I bring to you that I don't think you're going to just find off the shelf anywhere. So we go to support their work and to thank them for that time. So if you purchase one of those courses through us, 100% of that money goes back to the author for the course that you've purchased. But if you are a premium podcast member, you have lifetime access to those courses for free because that's part of your membership. If you missed a week right now in the last two weeks of what we are doing on the Spirit of the Antichrist, those are available under the podcast tab. And I believe it's drtempany.com forward slash um, Antichrist. I believe that that's the link. We'll, we'll put that down below just so that you have a direct link to that place. So tonight in part three is of this very important series, let me introduce you once again to our educator. J.B. Hickson is a nationally known author and speaker and radio host with more than 30 years of ministry experience in the pastoral and academic arenas. Recognized for his expertise in the area of systematic theology, Dr. Hickson has a passion for communicating important theological truths from God's word in a clear, easy to understand way and for helping others learn how to study the Bible effectively. And if you've listened to our last two weeks of interviews here on the Happy Hour with Dr. T special event, you'll know how readily he's and easily he communicates things and makes it come to life. And I will tell you that his books, he writes just like he speaks, and it's so easy to understand. And you will definitely want these books in your armamentarium. Dr. Hickson has served on the faculties and as adjunct faculty of nine colleges and seminaries. He earned his bachelor's degree from Houston Baptist University, a master's in theology from Dallas Theological Seminar, Seminary, and a PhD from Baptist Bible Seminary. If you're ever in the Denver area, please join him at Plum Creek Chapel for a Sunday or a Wednesday night service. So tonight, as I already said, is part three of this important four-part series, The Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. These series are all parts of his books that we'll be talking about throughout this interview. And it's a really important thing for you to get these books so that we're only barely covering the surface in these four weeks. There's so much more documented evidence, both from the secular press and also straight from the Bible. And we run, we we um we explored the role of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum in this conspiracy and the role of human government throughout God's plan and the ages and America's role in the Luciferian plan. Week two, we continued with our focus on totalitarian tippy-toe. Oh, I guess it's just tiptoe. <laughs> totalitarian <laughs> tiptoe by, by exploring historical evidence for the conspiracy and the role of biometric surveillance that's coming for total planetary control of the grid. He, he also gave some practical guidelines as to not be too depressing on um, what to expect and what believers can do. Now, tonight, here in week three, is the first of, again, a two-part series. So, so we did part one of Totalitarian Tiptoe and part two. Tonight is part one of Bloodlust, exploring the Luciferian depopulation agenda. Satan and his earthly cronies love death. Jesus told us that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. His, um, his session, this session will explore the Luciferian love of death and the sordid, historic, his, uh, horrific history of child sacrifice. It mm -hmm. goes back a long way. Remember, the Luciferians are the human hands and feet and brain and mouth of the satanic agenda. They, we, they're the, the people that we know so well that already claim that they out loud that they worship Satan. They are part of the Luciferians. So the Luciferian depopulation agenda is real. It is in high gear. So buckle up. This is going mm -hmm. to be an intense and important session, part one and part two. JB, welcome back to Happy Hour with Dr. T's special event. Last two weeks were so amazing. Tonight, I know, is going to be really, really important. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. What a pleasure. And uh, really appreciate you letting us uh, get this this message out. It's a really urgent message for such a time as this and uh, grateful for the platform. Well, let's go ahead and get started because I know that you have an enormous amount to cover tonight. If you need to share your your, your uh, slides, go ahead and put them up on the screen All and right. um, let her rip. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what, um, I you know, I want to start with just a quick uh, review, if I can, um, because I know, you know, some folks might not have watched the sessions, but, uh, you know, the first two weeks, we talked about the totalitarian tiptoe. All of this uh, uh, information really is gleaned from the two books that we've been talking about. We'll say more about that at the end. But uh, over the last year, uh, I've produced a, what turned out to be a two-volume set that's the result of about 17 years of deep dive research into the Luciferian conspiracy. They're called Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and there's also a companion uh, DVD and, and streaming set. Uh, obviously, I couldn't cover everything in these sessions, and so uh, I kind of uh, pulled out some of the key factors and things that I might uh, that I thought might interest uh, your listeners. And so, in the first sessions, we kind of laid the groundwork for. Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Go back before you do that. Go back one slide because I want to point something out. Oh, you bet. If you if you go to that site, notbyworks.org forward slash store, I want to say it here, and we'll say it again at the end, and you put in happy hour as a code, you'll get 10% off those books and um, anything else from that prep, from that code. And I want to show people that I have both of these books and they're not little. There's a ton <laughs> of information in here. So these are books that you will want on your shelf. And JB has generously given us a 10% discount by using the checkout code happy hour. And so um, you, you will want to get these for yourself. So, all right, yeah, go and- ahead from there. And thanks for I'm 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 not a very good salesman, so I tend to just kind of skip over that. But I, I thanks for clarifying that, and I want to clarify too that we've kind of bundled already, even before uh, you graciously invited us on uh, the Happy Hour program. Uh, so we've got different bundles where you can get the books and the DVD set, the books and the streaming set, the DVDs along with the streaming set. So there's different combinations that are already discounted, so you don't have to buy everything separately. But no matter what you get, anything related to our Spirit of the Antichrist material. Material, if you use that happy hour code, then it'll give you a further discount. So Terrific. Uh, thank you so much. You bet. Yeah. So um, obviously the, the the whole premise here is that there is an evil group of people on the earth that are working with Satan hand in puppet, I like to say, to try to take over the world. Uh, we know if you believe the Bible, as I do, that God's word tells us this has been happening ever since Satan got kicked out of heaven. Uh, he's been trying to take over the earth. He wants to wrest control of of uh, the planet and all of creation, really, a- away from God. Uh, when he couldn't have heaven, he set his sights on earth, and he's been, um, you know, hard at work trying to influence the world and, and really take over the world. Now, we know from a Bible prophecy perspective, which is, you know, kind of my passion and, and my uh, one of my bailiwicks, that ultimately Satan will achieve uh, a modicum of success when for seven years uh, he indwells, I believe, the Antichrist, a human world leader, a tyrant, who at the behest of Satan is going to rule over a time of unprecedented uh, tyranny uh, just prior to the return of the Lord. Uh, at the end of that seven-year time, the Lord will return uh, with his church, the bride, I believe, to set up the long-awaited promised kingdom on earth uh, where he rules uh, in perfect peace and righteousness and judgment. And really, the Bible thus comes full circle back to a, a pre-fall Edenic state where all is made right uh, once again. So we laid that foundation in part one, and now I want to pick up with several of the uh, topics that I talk about, uh, mainly in volume two of my two-volume Spirit of the Antichrist set. So this says part one. As Dr. Tenpenny mentioned, this is a week three in the four-week series, but weeks three and four will kind of all be related to this you know, topic of the Luciferian depopulation uh, agenda. And so... Um, as we get started, I want to give you a couple of quotes that I think uh, will kind of set the tone for what we're talking about here, because it's a fairly heavy subject. I think most people, at least if you're somewhat awake to the world as it really exists and, and what's been happening, especially in the last few years, uh, you you recognize that uh, 
Uh, there's some kind of a hidden power at work here. There's a, some that it's a spiritual battle. Ephesians six tells us that. Um, but nevertheless, it's helpful to kind of uh, you know look to those who've gone before us and fought similar battles. And so, of course, I thought of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he was that German Lutheran pastor and theologian, but that was an anti-Nazi dissident. And notice what he said, if I sit next to a madman as he drives a car into a group of innocent bystanders, I cannot, as a Christian, simply wait for the catastrophe and then comfort the wounded and bury the dead. I must try to wrestle the steering wheel out of the hands of the driver. He goes on to say, in a more famous quote, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act uh, is to act. So really, uh, Dr. Tenpenny, as we go through this material, and and uh, hopefully I want you to feel free to interrupt me at any time, because I've been told I talk fast. And so sometimes you got to kind of uh, get my attention and, and dive in, because I want to clarify everything along the way. And I hope you'll feel free to ask questions uh, for your sake and the sake of the audience. But really what we're going to be doing is is issuing a call to action. It's, it's a call to awareness, to recognize what's happening uh, through the lens of Scripture, as well as through the lens of... Uh, anecdotal and historical evidence. But more than anything, we're calling people to stand up and stand against all of these things that are happening in the world uh, today. Uh, Another German who lived about 100 years before Dietrich Bonhoeffer was uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who said, the man in the street does not notice the devil, even when the devil is holding him by the throat. And I think that's where we are in in many ways today. We are living in an age of sleepy Christians, and the last thing the world needs is more sleepy Christians. We need Christians who, as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, are awake and aware and recognizing the dangers that lay before us. So I mentioned in the first uh, very first week of this uh, four-part series that uh, John, the apostle, tells us that many antichrists have come o- over the last 2,000 years. Of course, we know that one Antichrist, capital A, is coming, uh, but we know that we're living in the last age because of the you know slippery slope and declining moralities of culture at large, and that's due to the influence of the spirit of the Antichrist, which this verse serves as the premise for my two-volume series, because the Bible tells us that the spirit of this future man of sin, this tyrant, is already in the world today, his spirit. In other words, uh, Satan uh, is not omniscient. He does not have the mind of God. So in every generation, he has to have his man of the hour on standby. Uh, you know, on on in on deck, so to speak, because if the rapture were to happen and signaling the Lord's entrance into His end times prophetic plan, then Satan has to have his man of the hour ready to indwell and, and attempt to defeat God in this final battle that will culminate at Armageddon. So that spirit of all that the Antichrist is and stands for, and will be and will stand for, is already uh, in the world. Uh, and so one of the, the the spirits of the Antichrist that the Bible is very clear about is his love of death. Uh, he's just like his father, the devil, and he is going to be a promoter of death. The book of Proverbs tells us all those who hate God love death. Um, Psalm 37 uh, reminds us, the wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are of upright conduct. And uh, there certainly are, uh, you know, a, a whole lot of, you know, evil world leaders and uh, business leaders and others that are conspiring together to rid the world of what they view as useless eaters, uh, people that are, as you've all know, Harari puts it, are redundant and unnecessary. Um, the reason they are promoting death and promoting this depopulation agenda is because in their mind, this world belongs to them. Uh, It doesn't belong to God. It doesn't belong to God's highest pinnacle of creation, humanity, which the Bible tells us God gave us the earth to have dominion over it. They don't believe it belongs to us either. They believe God is wrong about all that. They believe it belongs to Satan, and therefore only his followers and worshipers should have the freedom uh, to, to enjoy this planet. And, you know, Uh, If you think about it this way, you know, I'm sure most of our viewers have gone to a theme park. If you go to a theme park, 
Uh, I'm sure you will enjoy it much more if it if you get unmitigated access and exclusive access to the entire park for just you and your family. You could run through the lines. You wouldn't have to wait in, in line for roller coasters. No waiting in line for the shows or the food or the other concession stands. You've got the run of the place. Uh, but if you're there with a few million of your friends, uh, it's quite a different experience. You know, you spend half your time waiting in lines and the kids are complaining and everybody's, you know, tired. Well, that's the way they view the, the world. It's their playground. And uh, the world is the devil's playground, he th thinks. First John 5, 19 tells us the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And so they would much rather have this place to themselves and enjoy it and get the rest of us out of the way. In Psalm 37, verse 32, we're told that the wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. See, that's what they're doing. A lot of this surveillance information that we covered a little bit in the first couple of weeks, but we covered extensively in the books, this full-spectrum planetary control grid that they're, they're rolling out, according to Revelation 13, uh, a lot of that is not just to control us, but it's to find us to seek us, to spy on us, and hopefully, in their again, in their view, get, get rid of us. Um, Proverbs 1 tells us, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Don't go with them. Uh, so, Satan has an obsession with death, and that's what we're essentially uh, saying. One, you know, in Scripture, you see a lot of contrasts between the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, and his arch enemy, Satan. Uh, and one of those is a contrast between light and dark, but it's also a contrast between life and death. God is the author of life. He spoke the world into existence. Mankind rebelled against God, thereby bringing death into the world. Uh, and by the way, when we did that, it's not like God was trying to just test us or, you know, had some weird obsession with wanting to dangle a carrot before us and see how he, he was actually warning us. You know, God loves us so much, his highest pinnacle of creation, that uh, he said, hey, there's one tree that if you eat of that tree, it'll kill you. And I love you so much, I don't want you to die. I want the fellowship that I've created you for. Uh, and by the way, the reason he gave us that choice is that he, he, you know, to have created mankind as just a, a, a group of automatons and robots that had no free will would have been meaningless. It would have been, he could have done that, but what's the point in that from his perspective? He wanted to create humanity in his image with free will, with volition, so that we could choose to, to love him and follow him. So that meant a risk. He had to give us an option. Unfortunately, we, despite his warnings, marched right over and took a great big bite out of that shiny proverbial apple. Uh, and God at that point would have been very just to deliver uh, the consequence that he warned us about. In fact, God is just and holy and righteous. And if he at that moment had said, I warned you, you're all going to go to hell, you're all going to die, that would have been just. But God's attributes not only include justice and righteousness and holiness, but also grace and mercy and love. And so in his amazing grace and love, he took the extraordinary step of trying to, of getting us out of the predicament we got ourselves in. And that is he sent his eternal son, our savior to the earth to, to put on human flesh as a human being. He was without sin. He never sinned. Therefore, he was the only human being in history who had room on his shoulders to pay the sin debt for all of humanity. See, I can't pay for your sins, Dr. Tenpenny. You can't pay for mine. We've got our own sins, right? Uh, no human being is without sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Ecclesiastes tells us there's not a righteous person on earth who does what is right and doesn't sin, except Jesus. He lived a perfect, holy, sinless life. He went to the cross, took the sins of the world upon him, uh, died for our sins, satisfying the justice and wrath of God. And then he rose from the dead, and this is the key, defeating death, hell, and the grave, so that he is the only one who has the power and authority to give the life that he purchased back to those who need it. So Satan is about death. God is about life. He created life in the first place, and then he created new life by, by solving our predicament and paying that penalty. So you, hold on one second. Yeah. Uh, do, do the uh, take down your share screen here for just a second. Yeah. And 
Um, Because that brings up an interesting point. You bring up interesting points that um, of Mm -hmm. all the pastors and authors I've written to, there's things that you say, they're like, oh, that's that's really interesting. (laughs) And, you know, one of them is about the Garden of Eden, because, you know, it always uh, there was always this question to me. I mean, why did God create this tree? that is the tree of evil, you know, because it was, you know, when Satan says you will not die, you will just be like God, which means that like a God, which means you know that there is good and evil. Prior to eating the apple of the tree, the only thing they knew was good, was it. That was all they knew. They could walk with God in the garden. They knew all the good, but this was the thing that created evil, that they would, you know. So, why why did God put that tree and that temptation there? Was it j- just to see whether or not we would choose him versus, I don't know, choosing something else? And then the other second part of that, which kind of is goes together, is, um, you know, at that point in time, there was only two of God's creation. There was Adam and then there was Eve. I mean, he could have just gone... <clears throat> put the two of them out and said, well, that was, that was, that was a faulty cookie. Let's go bake new cookies. You know, let's put a different one together, but that didn't happen. And it set the course for thousands of years for, you know, till we get to, you know, thousands of years. So where we can get to Christ and then another 2000 years since he was here. Can you expound on both of those concepts a little bit more? Why was the, 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 that tree there? And secondly, why he didn't just go, let's just, let's just start over. Yeah. Great questions, Dr. Tenpenny. And it all comes down to understanding who God is, you know, the attributes of God as he's revealed about himself in the word. You know, the Bible is God's way of saying, here I am, look at me. It's, you know, it's a a book that was written uh, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit by 40 human authors uh, over a period of uh, uh, 1,500 years on three different continents and three different languages. And the result is the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God that we hold in our hand. 3,800 times the Bible says, thus saith the Lord. 3,800 times or something similar, thus says the Lord, or so God said, that kind of thing. So it's really God's way of telling us about him. And in the word, we find out that God is a holy, just, righteous, but gracious, loving, merciful God as well. And when he created man, he created us in his own image. That's why he put the tree in the garden, because there had to be a a volition. There had to be something for us to choose. There had to be an alternative. If you don't have a choice, then you you know you're not truly free, right? Free will uh, does not exist where you don't have the freedom to choose. And so God had to pr- provide something as a choice. As far as why He didn't just destroy mankind in keeping with His uh, you know pledge that He said, if you in the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. That goes to His attributes of grace and mercy and love. And at the cross. Both all of those attributes coalesce at the, at the foot of the cross. God is just because the penalty was paid. Some blood was shed. Uh, you know, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. Jesus took our penalty on the cross. That's what the atonement is all about. So at the cross, we have justice and righteousness and holiness, but we also see mercy and grace because you and I, if we receive his payment on our behalf, we don't have to experience that penalty. So it really goes down to understanding who God is and and who we are. And I've got a chart in here that I'll throw back up if that's okay, that since you asked this question that I think kind of sheds sheds light on that. Let's see if that will do it. Can you see that uh, Imago Day on the screen there? Uh, yes, it just looks like two boxes right now. Yeah, so so basically, the Imago Dei is, is the Latin phrase of the image of God in man. Remember in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God tells us that he created man in his image, uh, unlike any other created thing. Trees, animals, plants, the stars, the sky, none of that is created in the image of God, only mankind. We are the crown jewel, which really goes to what we're talking about in week three here, Satan's obsession with killing humanity. We're, he, he knows we're God's prized possession. He wants to kill us, you know? Um, so if you think about the Imago Dei, the Bible tells us God is sovereign. God is righteous. God is just. He's wise. He's powerful. He's loving. He's creative. He is 
his spirit. In other words, he's not flesh and blood. That's created. Uh, and he has eternal life. He is, he's never been a time when God didn't exist, never will be a time when he doesn't exist. That's just a few of his attributes. But if you think about the attributes of humanity, the Imago Dei teaches that man is not God, as you said. It does, you know, it doesn't mean that God created us all as little gods. We're still human beings, but we have attributes that correspond to God's attributes. Where God is sovereign, man has volition. And that's the very thing that we're talking about here. Are you going to eat of the tree or not? That's why he put it there. There had to be a choice. Um, where God is righteous, mankind has morality. We have a sense of right and wrong. It's a conscience that Paul talks about. Where God is just, mankind has a sense of justice. You know, no other animal has that. You know, you, you don't see the animals in the animal kingdom, you know, protesting and gathering together to say, you know, it's not fair that the lion ate the zebra. That's just not <laughs> fair. You know, they just, it's an animal, animalistic kingdom. It's just the, you know, you know, survival to, to, to you know, to survive or whatever. Uh, God is wise. Mankind has intellect and logic. Uh, God is powerful. We've got all kinds of abilities that uh, you know the rest of the created realm doesn't have. God is love. We are built to have relationships with one another. We are relational beings. God is creative. Mankind has creative expression. We can invent things. God is spirit. We too have spirituality. We're the only created thing that has an eternal soul. And of course, God is life, and we too can have eternal life. The problem is when we ate of that tree, the image of God and man became corrupted. And that's why God had to send his son to the earth to die in our place on the cross so that everyone who will simply receive it from him can have eternal life. And so in the same way that God didn't force us to eat from the tree, we had a choice. He doesn't force us to believe in him. Forced love is no love at all, right? Uh, you know, you know the, the grace of God never works coercively or compulsively. It works, uh, you know, graciously, and, it, and it, it, Jesus is drawing us to him. The Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin and their need for a Savior, and whosoever will may come. But if anybody refuses the gift of eternal life by not believing the gospel and ends up in hell, they have nobody to blame but themselves. God's done everything he can to make the way plain, but it's still up to you. You have to receive that gift. You know, let me ask another question. Now, this is a little off the side, but it kind of goes along with what that other slide that you said about the about the the blood, the blood. What was it? The, the, the what was that blood? The blood 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 bloodlust blood is the title. Bloodlust. Uh, that was yeah, it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why does God require blood in terms of sacrifice and atonement? You know, when you read through the Old Testament. And you see at any given time, there's, there's, you know, sacrificing hundreds, if not thousands of animals in terms of repentance. I mean, it had to have been just a mess, just like a messy, horrible, yeah. awful thing, you know, killing all these animals, you know, routinely. And then the, everything about that, you know, uh, yeah. the whole butchering thing that happens and there's hundreds, if not thousands of them, sometimes it happened at a time. And then as you read through Leviticus, you know, you had to sacrifice the, these many animals and this many sheep and this many goats and the, you know, all these different things. What, why was that part of God's thing? Yeah, that's another great question. Um, and so let's go back to the garden again. That's where it all started. First of all, the theological answer is the Bible very clearly tells us the life is in the blood. So uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, at, up to the time until they sinned, they were in perfect harmony with the animals. Remember, God paraded all the animals before Adam. He gave them a name. They were able to interact with them. They were like pets, really. They'd never seen death. The Bible tells us that wherefore by one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for all of sin. Death did not exist until after sin. It's one of the reasons why you can't support an old earth view from scripture. You can't have millions of years of death and destruction and demise. Then God creates man and sin comes about because death is the direct result of sin. So Adam and Eve had never experienced sin. They were walking around unashamed, naked in the garden, fellowshipping with other animals. It was a perfect utopian society, talking to the Lord, walking and talking with God in the garden. All of a sudden, they sinned because they chose to rebel against God and not follow his warning. And what's, what did God do? He took an animal, slayed it to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. Can you imagine how that must have felt to Adam and Eve in that moment? 
it showed the seriousness of what they had done. Uh, God chose blood sacrifice as a means of indicating sin is serious. Now, Satan says just the opposite. Satan comes along and says sin is not serious. You can eat whatever you want and you won't die. You can sin and get away with it. God says, no, you can't. And so then from that point on, it's the blood you know, sacrifice. And, uh, you know, God tells us in Genesis 3.15, when he's confronting the serpent for having tempted Adam and Eve, he says, you know, uh, her seed, the seed of the woman, and it's capitalized. If you have a good English Bible, that's capitalized uh, in the New King James, the King James, and it should be, um, be, because that's a reference to Christ. Theologians call Genesis 3.15 the proto- evangelium, the first gospel, because it shows us that one day, the ultimate seed of the woman, and, and that's another whole subject too, because both in Hebrew and in general biology, the seed does not come from the female. You would never find in anywhere in the Hebrew literature a reference to a woman's seed. The seed always comes from the man. So, the, the intentional use in God's word here of the seed of the woman to be the you know ultimately producing the Savior is a veiled reference to the virgin birth. See, the reason Jesus had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit was because if he was conceived through normal means, through Joseph and Mary's egg and sperm, he would have had sin in his blood like the rest of us. Sin is passed down through the blood. But Jesus was fully human, but he didn't have you know the, the tainted blood. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, as, as the Bible tells us in, in Luke. So, uh, so anyway, Jesus was human, uh, born of a virgin, you know, lived a perfect, holy, sinless life, never sinned, could have sinned, but never sinned. And uh, therefore, uh, he's the only one with the authority to forgive sin. So, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's why we have the blood sacrifice. And the, the, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus shed his blood once for all. So, we don't have to do sacrifices anymore. You know, you don't, when you go to church on Sunday, you don't bring a goat with you <laughs> because Jesus already paid that penalty and his blood covers us uh, from all sin. So let's move on to the blood sacrifices of what's happening in our current day and this yeah. population thing. Yeah, That's interesting. Thank you for explaining that because yeah, I didn't, you, the seriousness of the sin is, is what that's about. That's important. I, yeah, that's absolutely. God was showing, hey, look, this is it. So Satan has an obsession with death, as we, as we said, uh, and uh, Jesus says that he was a murderer from the beginning. Um, and, uh, as I said, God told Adam and Eve quite plainly, when you eat of the fruit, you'll die. But Satan comes along and says, no, no, you won't. Don't listen to God. He's just a big cosmic killjoy. He doesn't really mean, you know, uh, what he says. He, you're not going to die. So Satan's big lie is you can sin and get away with it. Jesus told us that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We see that again and again throughout history. Remember when the Christ child was born in Bethlehem? What did wicked King Herod try to do? He tried to kill all the young children two years and younger because he was trying to destroy a Christ. They, they have, to them, death is just a means to an end. It is nothing for them, as we're going to see, to simply uh, kill anyone. I mean, look at the abortion industry. You know, that's uh, the most innocent human beings possible, and yet they they have no problem killing them for the sake of money. But Peter tells us that the devil is looking for people to devour. In the book of Revelation, he is called Abaddon, which means destruction, and Apollyon, which means destroyer in Greek. That's what he is. So, if you look through human history, we do find quite a, a history of child sacrifice. Now, we know this based on historical documentation and archaeology, but we also know it through the Bible. The Bible talks about in the ancient Near East, a couple thousand years or so before Christ, uh, there were pagan religions and pagan people groups that were sacrificing children to uh, false gods. Uh, and as distasteful as this is to think about, it should not surprise us then that it's still going on today. It's not like people finally wised up and decided, well, this is probably bad. I mean, depravity gets worse and worse mm -hmm. and worse. And so Deuteronomy uh, tells us, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that this is wrong, that the pagan gods around the children of Israel in the promised land there were burning their sons and daughters in the fire. Uh, and he says, do not do that. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed 
uh, to Molech in Second Chronicles. Um, this is in the context of, of Ahaz, the king of Judah, who was offering child sacrifices, and he says he burned his children in the fire. Uh, we see uh, in Second Kings another example. Uh, you know, the king of Moab took took his eldest uh, son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. So it's it's really well attested throughout history. Uh, archaeologists have discovered uh, all of these uh, people groups and nations and territories, and many more evidence of child sacrifice. And, and it's not just in, you know, the Near East or the Far East, it's in America. You know, you, you see it with the Aztecs and the Mayans, and we see it in South America with the Incas. Um, and by the way, it's still going on uh, today. So that leads me to some of the material that we talk about in chapter 13 of Spirit of the Antichrist, volume two, and that's the connection between the spirit of perversion and Satan's love of death. Um, once you have bought into the lie that humanity is meaningless, we're just a, a you know an algorithm. <laughs> you know that's what uh, you've all know. Harari says we're all just a bunch of algorithms. You know, ready to be experimented upon. No, no intrinsic value. We're not made in the image of God. Well, then not only can you kill them and experiment on them, you can do all sorts of evil. And it's been well documented uh, through the centuries. Lots of uh, books have been written on it. I, again, I, I have it well documented in in, in chapter thirteen. Uh, we also get into the depopulation agenda a little bit in chapter in, in volume one. Um, and as you said, there's sixty six pages of bibliographic citations in volume two and thirty eight in volume one. So people can check this out for themselves. But one example from you know recent history and culture that everyone will be familiar with is the whole issue of Epstein Island. Uh, you know the the list of politicians and businessmen who frequented Epstein Island is shocking. It hasn't gotten much uh, you know attention in the mainstream media, but uh, and nor has it from most Christians. Um, but it it's a it was a key outpost in a global child sex trafficking ring. And by the way, uh, I always like to remind people that if you were surprised that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, just imagine how surprised he was, <laughs> because uh, there's a whole other story. It was just a whole other story to that thing. And that you know is also connected to uh, the Pizzagate scandal. Now the media did a masterful job, as they always do, of turning this into a, a quote unquote conspiracy theory. We talked about that in the previous episodes. Um, just dismissed it with an imperious wave of the hand. But the reality is, this is absolutely true. And there's been some excellent research by top journalists. Uh, if you watch the the documentary Out of Shadows, I highly recommend that because it goes into some of the uh, coded language that was in the revealed emails. If you don't remember what Pizzagate was, remember basically WikiLeaks released a ton of uh, confidential emails uh, that showed very clearly disturbing and troubling dialogue going on about planned meetings and dinners and activities that were taking place uh, uh, that were basically satanic ritual abuse of, of young children. Um, this documentary, uh, and I don't no, I'm not vouching for everything the people behind it do. I'm just saying it's it's a it's a resource that you should look into because it documents that uh, across the country in various police jurisdictions and sheriff's jurisdictions, when they have arrested people for child trafficking and child sex crimes, the types of language that they find on their computers is exactly the same as the terminology and code language that's used in these uh, John Podesta uh, emails. So it's absolutely uh, an exposed thing. But the problem is it runs so deep, Dr. Tenpenny, that you know the media is, in, in, is embroiled in it as well. And they weren't about to expose it because it would it would bring down a bunch of top level powerful people in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because you know with the Epstein debacle of what's going on with that, and you know now that they there's these movies that are coming out, you know the movies that are coming out now that are really exposing that, and it you know most people believe it's the reason why the government 
is going to extradite and probably murder it, just like they did with Epstein with Julian Assange, mm-hmm. who was WikiLeaks, who was, you know, putting out all this information and exposing all these things. And it's interesting because, you know, the Bible says all things that were hidden will come to light. And I yep. think that now that all these things that are coming out, it, to me, I call it the gift of COVID. You know, I do believe there are some gifts of COVID. And one of them is that we are being exposed, we, all these things that are hidden that we didn't know, that we had no idea. I mean, we kind of knew, but we didn't know. We kind of knew that there was fraud and corruption and these things. But the depth of the fraud in everything that we held sacred, you know, our churches, yeah our medical industry, you know, hopefully our government that we trusted and we find out how dark and deep and horrifying it really is. Um, It's, it's a lot to take in for some people, but if you just turn it over to the Lord, you know, give it to God and say good night, you know, and know that he, this is all coming out because it has to. Absolutely. And and it will someday, ultimately, when Christ comes back at the judgment, uh, the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennium, that's when everything's going to be exposed. I do think we're, as you said, we're seeing, you know, a gradual trend in that direction. So we've got sort of two things happening at once. There's an awakening uh, and, and somewhat of a revival. Now, I believe very clearly that Bible teaches there will not be a global end times revival. There's a whole movement of, I think, false theology out there that suggests that, you know, if we can just elect enough Christians, we can change the world and turn this into a Christian place. And when we make it good enough, Christ will finally come back. That's oh, exactly boy. the opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible <laughs> says it's going to get worse and worse, Second Timothy exactly. 3.13. But at the same time, the Spirit of God is alive and well. He's moving mightily on the earth, and there are pockets of revival. So you've got a remnant, and in every age, there's always a remnant that is awakening to the truth. And that's why the Luciferians are getting desperate, because they know they don't have much longer before this whole thing blows up on them. So they're desperately pushing it across the finish line. Now, I believe the vast majority of the masses are completely blinded. They're duped. They've been deceived. But you're right. There is an awakening uh, you know, going on. So if we go back here to uh, the, the the slides, uh, you know, I mentioned Hollywood and the reason they didn't expose uh, all of the child, you know, uh, sacrifice and so forth. Uh, Hollywood is a bastion of Satanism. Most people don't know the history, but Hollywood was founded in the, in the middle of the 19th century, 1800s. And the very name itself comes from the holly tree, which is used by witches in in casting their spells and and you know making their potions. So uh, it, it there's been well documented uh, research that shows that it is a seedbed of satanic ritual uh, and and satanic uh, abuse. So let me just give you a few notable examples from the entertainment industry to make the point. Here's Lady Gaga. Uh, she's admitted that Satan speaks to her through her dreams. She uses her evil spirit guide to create songs. She uses satanic imagery throughout her videos and live shows, and she admits that she can't sleep alone anymore on tour because of the demonic dreams that she has throughout the night that freak her out. She's been known to bathe in blood as part of a bloody satanic ritual. One noteworthy example was well attested at the Intercontinental Hotel in London when one of the hotel maids said, quote, Lady Gaga left large amounts of blood in the suite. The incident was reported to the concierge, but she was told to put it out of her mind. See, they cover for these, you know, A-list, you know, people. Rihanna at the 2023 Super Bowl halftime performance was dressed in red. She falls from the sky surrounded by people dressed in white like angels. Uh, Sounds a lot like the fall of Lucifer when he took one third of the angels with him. Um, She's, you know, the number one most streamed artist globally. 118.7 million viewers. um, And, uh, you know, that's 5 million more than the Super Bowl game itself, by the way. Uh, She's had 17 songs in the top 40, but very few people know about some of her other history. Like she has a street named after her in her uh, hometown in Barbados. And when they were dedicating this uh, street in 2017, she came over there. The Barbados government renamed the street that she grew up on as a child. uh, And she spoke at the official ceremony to unveil the newly named Rihanna Drive in Bridgetown, Barbados. And she took the opportunity to hand out a little unsolicited advice to the young Bahan children that were kind of gathered there for this ceremony. She said, 
How many of y'all have prayed to Jesus for years, prayed with all your hearts, and got nothing back from him? Hands up, be honest, it's okay. And then she said, well, look, you need to know Jesus doesn't care about you. Do you really think he's even listening? Hot tip, y'all, because you're my people. Be efficient. Go to Satan. Wow. The, uh, I mean, she, you know, she's uh, eventually prime minister, the prime minister who was there for the ceremony changed the topic and shocked parents began grabbing their children and, and leaving. Uh, here's Lady Gaga's 2017 Super Bowl performance, which was a transparent satanic ritual. Uh, she entered the Staples Center in Los Angeles with a man dressed as a bishop on her arm. Um, this is uh, Nicki Minaj, uh, her performance of, you know, Roman Holiday at the 54th Grammy Awards. And the main performance of Roman Holiday shows Minaj chained to a wooden board as hooded priest pranced around her. I mean, smoke billows, fire burns. I mean, she's among the many pop stars who promote the idea of satanic ritual abuse, and that's because they're doing it behind the scenes. Uh, she she often talks about having an alter ego and losing control of themselves when the alter ego uh, takes over. Uh, I hate to step on too many toes here, but even Adele, uh, her 2011 music video, Rolling in the Deep, stars a demonic entity. You can see it on the right of the, the screen there. But what about Adam Levine? You know, Adam Levine, oh, he's so nice. You know, he's so sweet. I love him on The Voice, right? That's what people say. But wait, have you seen Adam Levine bathing in animal blood in his music video, uh, you know, uh, let's call that up, uh, called Animals? Wow. And that's literally from MTV. You know, that's, that's the way. So these guys, they have a secret, you know, persona and yeah. a secret dark underworld that really is very similar to what is revealed in Stanley Kubrick's uh, film, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Um, it was the last uh, movie that he produced. It took 400 days, uh, which is still a record in Hollywood for the longest continuous film shoot. Um, and it exposes the underworld of satanic ritual abuse. And uh, by the way, uh, I haven't been able to find the clip, but I can tell you that I have seen a clip of Nicole Kidman uh, talking about how when she was younger in Hollywood, she experienced this firsthand and that it was easy for her to play the role that she did in that movie because she had experienced it full time and she knew that it was true. Uh, so basically, Hollywood is so steeped in satanic ritual abuse and blood sacrifices that they really ought to give Satan his own star on Hollywood, right? You know, you go to the, the Walk of Fame and you see Lucifer, right? There's no shortage of verifiable evidence of the Luciferian bloodlust for those who have the time and the stomach uh, to research it. If you haven't read about the Franklin cover-up, uh, John DeCamp, who died in 2017, he was a Republican politician and lawyer from the state of Nebraska who served in the Nebraska State Legislature from 1971 to 1987. He was also uh, an infantry officer uh, for the United States in the Vietnam War. But he exposes this horrific nationwide scandal of sexual abuse involving prominent federal politicians inside the Beltway and famous businessmen, all emanating uh, from Lincoln, Nebraska. It's called the Franklin a cover-up. By the way, Nick Bryant also has another a book uh, which has some excellent information about this. They call it the Franklin cover-up or the Franklin scandal because it was stumbled upon, like most of these types of things, like the WikiLeaks emails and things like that, they sort of leak out. And what mm -hmm. happened was they were investigating the Franklin savings and loan in Lincoln, Nebraska for some financial improprieties when all of a sudden they uncovered a paper trail of sick, you know, hideous child abuse and satanic ritual abuse involving CPS agencies from multiple states uh, along the way of the investigation. Witnesses were murdered, found dead. Um, the poor children that were the victims in some cases, the ones they could find, uh, they were discredited because they claimed since they were crazy, they weren't reliable. Where the reason they were crazy is because they had been horrifically abused, which uh, basically experts say is one of the things that causes schizophrenia. It's this sort of disassociative disorder when you can't handle what's happening to you. And, you know, these sick uh, Satan worshipers, they love 
to, to achieve their power from innocent children. That's the whole adrenochrome thing. We don't have time to get into that, but they, there's something about the blood of children in particular that they believe brings them power. And that, again, I know this is distasteful, but it goes all the way back to what the Bible talks about happening 2,000 years before Christ. The Franklin scandal from the back of Nick Bryant's book says, are politicians, businessmen, and media personalities being compromised? Is there a covert check and balance system affecting our body politic? How and why does a nationwide child abuse network stay hidden? There was a documentary called Conspiracy of Silence uh, that was scheduled to air on the Discovery Channel Tuesday, May 3rd, 1994. It was even listed nationwide in the April 30th to May 6th edition of TV Guide magazine. You remember that magazine? I'm sure you do. As yeah. a kid, I used to, we used to get it, and that was way before cable and all these other things. But uh, I mean, it was after cable they had it. But anyway, literally, uh, the day before it was to be released, and influential members of Congress uh, applied pressure and kept Discovery Channel from airing it. Discovery Channel was reimbursed roughly half a million dollars for all the production costs. Uh, the subject of the film was a child sex abuse ring involving a number of prominent politicians and businessmen, just like the Franklin cover-up talked about. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was originally destroyed or the films were destroyed, but uh, eventually less than professional quality uh, copies that were made, like someone videoing a, a cut of it, uh, were released and you can find it. Uh, I don't recommend watching it because the stuff is just, you know, it's just, it's sickening the kinds of things that they, that they talk about in there. Washington Times ran a story on June 29th, 1989 for one day, and then it was never to be heard from again the next day because the powers that be got a hold of them. But it talked about how during the Reagan and Bush administrations, there was a steady stream of male, young, teenage uh, prostitutes. Again, I'm just giving you the information. You don't have to believe it. You can do your own research, but it's worth uh, looking into. Uh, another uh, award-winning 2020 documentary is called Silent Cry, The Darker Side of Trafficking, exposes the organized satanic effort behind human trafficking and children, especially being used in demonic rituals. So, uh, you know, th this is what these Luciferians are about. It's not just about money or power or control. They are serving a higher power. And that's what I think, you know, these books, Dr. Tenpenny, really bring out is so many people are waking up to the you know, rigged elections, uh, you know, the, uh, the issues with big pharma. And like you said a moment ago, there's so many institutions that we previously held sacred that we, we just can't trust anymore. What I try to do in these books is show you both from a biblical framework, as well as historical evidence, that this is ultimately a spiritual battle. There's, there's much more going on to it uh, from that. So, uh, Bohemian Grove is another example of this. Uh, some of your listeners and viewers may know about Bohemian Grove. Uh, it's a secret place in the uh, redwoods of Northern California. It started actually right outside San Francisco. Uh, we've been to the place that it started and taken pictures. All of these things we've done uh, firsthand boots on the ground research on. Uh, but they meet every summer for two weeks. It's a who's who of world leaders and, and businessmen. They've done many famous things where they hatched plans and plots and crowned kings and chose presidents. Um, uh, in September of 1942, by the way, it was at Bohemian Grove that the Manhattan Project was was hatched. Uh, both sides of the aisle have had people attend there. Um, uh, the original founding of it, as I mentioned there, you can see our pictures was in Muir Woods, but they quickly moved it out to a private ranch uh, in uh, Northern California. Uh, you can't get there. It's heavily guarded, almost with you know military level security. Uh, the motto that you see on the screen there is weaving spiders come not here. Uh, taken from a, a play by Shakespeare, but it was originally intended as an admonition against the members of this private all-male club uh, from discussing business at the club. But like most things with the Luciferian conspiracy, it's always the exact opposite. It's actually, that's the express purpose of it, is that's where you come and you plan and plot world events. Uh, the most troubling aspect of the Bohemian Grove is its opening ceremony called Cremation of Care, 
And this is where they call on all of these powerful elites from around the world uh, who are attending to cast aside their conscience, their care, cremation of conscience or cremation of care, cast aside their moral values if they had any to begin with, and, and basically commit to doing what they decide to do and are told to do at this two-week-long ceremony. Now, it's a come and go. So, obviously, presidents and prime ministers and kings can't stay the whole two weeks, but they'll come in uh, for a night or two and have these meetings and and be involved in it. Uh, but it's this uh, cremation of care ceremony actually involves a mock child sacrifice at least that's what they tell us. No one's ever been able to get a clear picture. They've had a couple of reporters over the years that have snuck in. One snuck in posing as a male prostitute because Bohemian Grove buses in a bunch of prostitutes, male and female, to service all of these elite, you know, Satanists. Um, and he was able to get some video, but it's kind of grainy footage and it's from far away. So you can't really tell if the child is an effigy, hopefully, please God, let it be just an effigy or an actual child. They say that it's an effigy. Um, but, you know, this goes way, way, way back. We've got lots of uh, pictures. Here's one with Reagan and Nixon attending one of the subcommittee meetings at Bohemian Grove. Uh, the famous uh, Netflix series, House of Cards, you know, calling Kevin, starring Kevin Spacey, speaking of, you know, satanic ritual abuse and child abuse. Um it actually has a scene featuring a mock human sacrifice before an owl statue, just like Bohemian Grove, where President Frank Underwood, the president in the uh, the movie, uh, attends. So um, before I think this is probably a good stopping point for to get into part two, I think we're coming up on the hour, but uh, in part two, we're going to get into more of American history's role in this depopulation agenda and, and some of the issues uh uh, related to that, but it really is uh, something uh, you know to understand the true evil behind the things that we see happening. So, Oof. yeah, a lot to cover there. Again, we all this is covered in the books. Encourage folks to uh, use uh, the promo code Happy Hour at the NotByWorks.org online store, and you can uh, uh, get the discount. You know, it's just uh, you know people. What I've said over the course of the last couple of years when I've had, you know, spoken on platforms and things, it's like, <clears throat> why are they like this? I just don't mm. get it. And I tell people, you won't get it. You're not a psychopath. You know, you can't think like a psychopath. You know, go ahead and unshare your screen here for a second. Yeah, you bet. Um, you can't think like a psychopath. You're not a, you're not a Luciferian. You're not a Satan worshiper, which is all the most evil, darkest, vile, horrible things that you can possibly imagine. And whatever you can imagine in your mind, it's a multiple worse than that. You know, if to really sort of see and know what they could do to children, you know, and when Jesus says it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck and tossed into the deep than to lead one of these astray will also lead one of these and to do the horrific, horrible things that, that they could do to another human being, let alone a baby, yeah. you know? And so it's, um, it's really, and I think the point of talking about this and why it's so important to talk about it is to know the the, the level of evil that we're facing, you know, we, you know, kind of spout off, you know, Ephesians six about, you know, it's, it's powers and principalities of this. We don't really know because we don't live there. Thank God we don't, we don't, we haven't, most people and probably people who are listening to this haven't experienced ritual satanic abuse. We there, or they may not even know somebody who has, but it exists. It's real. Yeah. And it's yeah, I mean, part of the evil that's on the planet today. That's the reason we cover such a wide gamut of, of these topics is I think most people really don't believe that our government and key people in positions of power could be that evil. So they just, they, they blindly follow along and, and there's this naive trust. But when you really start to connect the dots and see this satanic connection between it all and the biblical connection of the Luciferian conspiracy, then it puts you on guard and you begin to say, you know what, there's nothing I wouldn't put past them, you know. Well, this has been such an evil, dark episode of where we're going with this conversation. This is a good place to pray as we close out. for. Today. Amen. You bet. Let me pray. 
Lord, we do thank you that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We know there's a very real enemy with a very real agenda and very real co-conspirators seeking to destroy Christians, destroy anything that uh, represents you or points the way to you because Satan hates you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us strength and grace as we abide these unsettling times and we see the trajectory before our very eyes leading towards this uh, one world system that your your word talks about. Lord, give us strength. Help us to remember uh, that uh, you are in full control, that all of these attempts by Satan and, and his earthly cronies are vain, they're futile, that he will not succeed in defeating you and defeating your kingdom. So, Lord, we rest in that promise of Scripture. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for our salvation uh, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone listening to this, you can see how important this information is and that the spirit of the Antichrist, sadly enough, is alive and well on this planet. And what we're actually going to be able to do, if you go to notbyworks.org forward slash store, you've got to get both of these books because you can tell by the way that JB talks, he writes the same way. And he and I talked about this offline the other day. You know, sometimes you can interview people and they they it's such a great interview. Then you get their book and they're trying to write in this erudite language somehow that doesn't even connect with like the person they are. Well, JB's books, I've as I've shown you, I've got both of them. They're really, really good. So go to, you can go out to Amazon, read the reviews, go to his his book, his site, notbyworks.org forward slash store, buy the books. And then after you've read them, go back to Amazon and write a review so that we'll drive more people over there. And I think that that's the best way is to, you know, support the authors and their work. I mean, these are, I've written two books. I know what it takes to sit down and I'm always kind of envious, I guess. Is that the right word? We're not supposed to envy, but you know, maybe admire is a better word uh, for pe- for a lot of my authors that I've talked to that have written 20, 25, 40 books. It's like, how in the world do you do that? How do you do that? So we're grateful for your work and thank you so much. And I, you know, if you've missed the first two episodes, you can go to drtenpenny.com and I think it's forward slash antichrist, but you can find it underneath the podcast tab and listen to part one, part two. This was part three. We've got one more coming up next week. So as we close out here tonight, I want to thank everyone who's come here together. You can see what the website is. Go get the books, get the videos, get the live streaming because you want to know about this. And what we're going to talk about in next week's episode is not only a little bit more about what's happening, but what to do and how to armor up and how to protect yourself as a Christian for the coming onslaught of the Antichrist, the mark of the be- the true mark of the beast, and what we're going to be able to do about that. So as I close out tonight, I always close with Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in trouble and be persistent in tra- prayer. So until the next time, remember to lean into God, trust him for everything. He will never let you down. One last thing, stay around for a couple more minutes as you hear a special broadcast at, at the end of the show for our from our support from our sponsors. We appreciate that you uh, support our sponsors and stick around for another couple of minutes. We will see you next week. Same place, same time. JB, have a good evening. You too. Thank you.